scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing to Yell, a shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Okay, let's get this hour going. It is Wednesday, January 10th, and we're underway on Flames Talk this hour. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts with Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hello, Wes. How are you, Patrick? I'm good, man. I'm good. We've got a... Got a ton to talk about this hour. The Daily Flames Roundtable later on this hour. And we do have some news uh, that, as we're doing this live, has just come down in the last little bit. uh, Because we do have some news when it comes to Oliver Shillington and more good news on Oliver Shillington. Here is the news. Uh, He's set to play and uh, play in his first game action since May of 2022, coming up on Thursday night for the AHL Wranglers. Uh, He is trending towards suiting up for the Wranglers against the Ontario Reign Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So that is really cool news. Um, It's another huge step in Oliver's return to the NHL and to the Flames lineup. Uh, I've got some details we'll get into a little bit later on this hour because I've been uh, digging in on this all day since it first kind of hit me as it could have been a possibility. So, yeah, anytime you get positive progression news when it comes to Oliver Shillington, puts a smile on my face, and that's exactly what we've got here on a Wednesday as uh, he's set to make his Wrangler season debut on Thursday against Ontario. Would be his first game since Game 5 of the Western Conference Final in May of 2002. Awesome, awesome news today. Yeah, awesome news. Puts a smile on your face, puts a smile on my face. You know, I've been hanging around a few Wranglers practices lately, and it's nice to see a big smile on Oliver Shillington's face. Yeah, and you know? every every picture that you see, he's yeah. beaming, hey? Yeah, and, and that's always been, you know, kind of his, That that's something you've grown accustomed, I guess, to to seeing from Oliver around the rink, and, and so, you know, knowing or, or at least, you know, under understanding the basics of what this young man has been through, and he's been open uh, about needing to focus on his mental health, you know, the fact that, that he feels like tomorrow night he could be ready to participate in his first hockey game in almost 20 months. It's just, it's a great, it's a great sign for Oliver. It's obviously a good sign for the Flames as, as an organization. And it should just put a big smile on everybody's face. Yep. You know, this is, this is, um, this, this is just a really nice step for Oliver. I've got some uh, boring LTIR CBA details that we can get into a little bit later on here uh, this hour. But that's great news on Oliver Shillington. But first topic wanted to dive into is another young left shot defenseman on the Calgary Flames by the name of Noah Hannafin because he is coming off another outstanding night Tuesday against the Ottawa Senators. He was kind of the uh, rocket fuel for their third period comeback, scores the game-tying goal, then assists as a primary on two more goals, ties a career high, plus 
five in the 6-3 comeback win over Ottawa. And boy, does the Hannafin discourse just continue. Hey, should they re-sign him? Should they trade him between now and the March 8th deadline? And the opinions are varying. But one thing I know for sure is where head coach Ryan Huska stands on this because he was asked about... Noah and and all the noise surrounding Noah post game on Tuesday night. He's a pro, um, so whatever shakes out, shakes out. You know, for me, I'd love to see him here long term. Um, but Noah's, uh, I think he understands what he just loves to play the game. He's one of those guys. So whether there's some noise around him or not, I don't know if that really affects him because he enjoys playing it. So he's he's done a really good job. So as a coach, you can understand why uh, Ryan Huska has. Yeah, I'd like to have him along yeah. around for a long time. He's soon to be 27-year-old defenseman who feels like he just continues to take strides as a full-time NHL defenseman, which he has been since the age of 18. Um, so you can understand why Ryan Huska's opinion would be, yeah, I'd like to have this guy around for a long time. Well, and, and the other comment that struck me from Ryan Huska during his post-game presser last night after that 6-3 come from behind victory over the Ottawa Senators was his assessment that that might have been the best game he's seen Noah Hannafin play. And that carries a lot of weight because you need to remember that before becoming the head coach at the Saddledome, Ryan Husko was the assistant coach tasked with overseeing the defense. This guy has been studying Noah Hannafin's game for a long time. He has not missed one of Noah Hannafin's games for the past six seasons now. And so that kind of struck me when Ryan said it. And I, I guess I was reminded of it just now when you said a guy who kind of continues to maybe not find his top game at the NHL level, but, but a guy who certainly isn't trending the opposite direction. The only the, uh, since, and I've been ever since the flames have acquired Noah, uh, going back to was summer of 2018. Yeah. I yeah. guess it would have been, geez, it's been more than five years. Crazy, um, isn't it? Yeah. Sixth season now. This with is the season flames. six. Yeah. Um, but ever since they've acquired him, I've I've been really tracking his season over season analytics and and underlying numbers. And aside from last year, where I, I thought there were a few guys who maybe took some steps back last year, it was a really it was a really frustrating year for a lot of players last season. But that was the first time that you couldn't like clearly make an argument that Noah Hannafin had taken a step and 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 had progressed. And sometimes they were small progression uh, progression steps. Sometimes they were big ones. Last year was the only time that maybe you saw him not take that step. You could argue maybe took a step back, but I would argue more towards the just, it kind of stayed flat. And I wondered to myself, okay, now he's at that age, 25, 26. How many more steps are there forward? Well, I, I think he's shown us this year, he has taken some more steps forward. And I would say at both ends of the ice, because I think his play away from the puck and his play inside his own blue line has taken another significant step this year. And I think with that has come even more confidence and even more just belief in his offensive game, which I think you're seeing in more and more dynamic 
dynamic plays, dynamic forays, and and plays. You say, holy, that was Noah Hannafin who just finished that. He was at the side of the net, and he just finished that that goal. How many times have we seen him score goals from within five, six feet of the net this year? So I, I actually think we, we have seen at the age of 26, 27, another positive step from him this year. Yeah, and I, I think what maybe helps explain some of the analytics from last year and part of the conversation as you try to determine what should be the the future or what's the proper course of action to take with Noah Hannafin. I think part of last year was sort of revealing that he's best slotted as a second pairing defenseman, right? Some of those analytics I think can be pinned on the fact that he was seeing the toughest matchups of his career last season. And, and so obviously a, a down season for the team as a full unit as well, which goes into it. But you're absolutely right. Like we we've seen a lot of confidence. We've seen a guy who has talked ever since he's been in Calgary, really about continuing to add some elements to his offensive game. And, and it's really, you know, we've seen the fruits of that this yeah. season, that that third period performance last night from Noah Hannafin to slice that backhand inside the post. And, and then, you know, assists on, both Yegor Sharangovich's first of the evening, first, second, anyway, second goals, second. Yeah. Goals by Blake Coleman and Yegor Sharangovich. He was as vital to that comeback as anybody. Yep. And so you can understand and, and, and let's kind of keep this small picture for this one comment. You can understand why Ryan Huska post game said definitively. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to have this guy here for a long time. Because all Ryan Husk is concerned about is the best possible roster to win now, right? And win next season, right? And he'll tell you he he. It's not his job to negotiate contracts or figure out the long term salary he, structure. When he says that's Craig Conroy's de- department, he means it. Yeah, like he means like I don't. I coach the guys who are here, right? And I want the best possible lineup. Yeah. On, on the ice and, and the best possible guys to be able to ice a winning lineup. And, and so that comment last night from the head coach is not a grenade for Craig Conroy. It's just him saying, well, yeah, what what coach wouldn't want Noah Hannafin on their roster? That That's what that's how I perceived that comment from Ryan Huska. It wasn't that's not a shot across the bow at Craig Conroy. Hey, how how is this not done yet? What What's going on here? That's just a yeah. God, would I like to have him around? Did you just watch the third period? Of course yep. I would. Do you get the sense when it comes to the this discourse that it's pretty split among Flames fans? Because that's that's what I have been able to garner from always being on the text line every day here on Flames Talk and doing post game from our phone calls, um, from perusing as as little as I like to be on Twitter these days, um, even even seeing some of the responses and, and some of the things that just pop up on the For You when it's not other weird stuff that I have no interest <laughs> in, but when, when like the occasional relevant one pops up on my feed, um, there are a lot of people who believe, yes, the Flames need to go in a different direction. Yes, they need to pivot. And yes, part of that pivot needs to be trading Noah Hannafin. And then there are just as many that I see that say, yes, the Flames need to go in a different direction. Yes, they need to get younger. Yes, they need to pivot, but they also should sign and and extend Noah Hannafin. It it really feels like 
it's that with this player in particular, even though a vast, I, I think a, a large majority of fans are on board with a different direction in some form or another, where I think there's more of a split as is, is where Noah Hannafin fits into that. Does he fit into it as a guy that can get you a haul in a return, or does he fit in as a guy who is just part of this thing going forward? Yeah, and I, I would, I think, defer to you on, on how even the split amongst fans is just because of the interactions you have on overtime and et cetera. But, you know, I'd put it this way. If if there was a poll, if we posted a poll, which of the pending UFAs would you most like to see the Calgary Flames extend? I think the yeah. runaway winner is Noah Hannafin. Yeah. And that's because of his age at 27. And that's because of the fact that he does feel like a guy who you'd be signing for the most prime years, right? Where we talk about a guy who skates like a deer. Like he he's going to age well at the NHL level. We talk about a guy who has been really durable other than that one shoulder injury he suffered. He has not missed a whole lot of games especially during his time in Calgary. And so there's a lot of reasons that it would make sense to keep Noah Hannafin and yet I think you raised the most appealing part of that and and we had this conversation on Flames talk earlier this week about, well, how are you going to impact change? Noah Hannafin's also a guy that you could probably get the biggest haul for as a potential trade chip. Well, let me just read you some of these texts at 960, 960, because I'm just going to read them in order. And and I say this, and and with Wes as my witness, I'm not... Uh, I'm not curating these to make uh, make any case or or try to make it sound like it's one way or the other. This is just in order. Um, first, it starts here. This is the best Hannafin's ever played, in my opinion. Sell high, assuming they can, in fact, get high value in return. JP says, contract year, it's a real thing. I do like Hannafin long-term, but he still can bring back a haul. Mick says, Yep, second pair in Boston with Carlo behind Lindholm and McAvoy get uh, get their 2025 first and a prospect that comes from Mick. This says from Daryl and Olds, re-sign Hannafin. That said, how much has uh, Tanev impacted Hannafin? Or if you combine them as a celebrity couple, they're Tanafin. Um, <laughs> this says Hannafin's very the clever. Old- that I didn't even mean to come up with. Uh, this says Hannafin's the only UFA they should sign. This says Noah Hannafin. Sign him, please. Uh, this says the Tanev effect on Hannafin is real. Sign Hannafin. You need to sign Tanev. And this says it's all fine and dandy to live in a world where if the Flames don't trade him, that means they've signed him. But he is a UFA, and if Conroy comes out of this with nothing and the Flames picture isn't winning, that'll be a problem. Now, I do think that there, I do think this is a black and white conversation. I do think in the next, what, 59 days, we will either get news of Hannafin being traded or Hannafin being signed. I do not believe there will be a mushy middle on this one. I do believe with both him and Lindholm, it is a black and white conversation. We uh, we sat with Craig Conroy in the Hot Stove Lounge yesterday and, and talked about the first half of the season and about Michael Backlund's milestone and assorted topics. And, and if you didn't hear that live, make sure you go check it out on the, the pod because there's tons of great info West there. Learning here. Look at you. One of the things that struck me was you asked Craig Conroy about sort of his assessment or, or what it's been like to be a, a rookie general manager. And he talked about how difficult it's been to have patience, that you kind of want things to happen and it takes a while for things to come together. And 
that brings me back to the point that I wanted to make, which was we can judge in those 59 days, Craig Conroy, based on a comment he made prior to the season when he said, we can't lose these guys for nothing. And absolutely his feet will be held to the fire if he goes past the deadline without either extensions or trades, whether it's for Noah Hannafin or anyone else. And, and it's fair to judge then. I, I I do believe that you're right. It has to be one or the other. Yep. It, it has to either be a contract extension or, okay, thanks for your time in Calgary. We're going to trade you elsewhere. And and I said this earlier this week on the program. I've, I've said it in multiple conversations just with buddies. Yeah, you, you've heard the rumors that those conversations have picked up. And guess what? You're going to hear rumors about conversations with the Flames in Lindholm and the Flames in Tanev because Craig Conroy needs to check in on what those players' appetite is for staying in Calgary. He needs to check in yep. on the financials, even if those are just financials to be passing along to other teams. So get ready to hear rumors on all those guys. But absolutely, you either sign Noah Hannafin to an extension prior to March 8th, or he has to be on the move. It, yep. it really is from my vantage point, and I'm not the general manager, but from my vantage point, it's that simple. The uh, So that's the Hannafin part. <laughs> Let's get back to Shillington because that, as uh, we talked about off the top, is really positive. If you're listening live and just joining us, the news on Oliver Shillington is he's going to most likely play his first game in West did the math almost 20 months um, if when he suits up Thursday night against the Ontario Reign at the Dome for the Calgary Wranglers of the American League. Has not played since Game 5 of the Western Conference Final uh, between the Flames and Oilers back in May of 2022. Any positive Shillington step, as, as we said, big smile on the face. And I, I, I would suggest getting into an actual, real, live, like these pucks are live, these pucks matter. Where that puck goes matters in the standings. It's the biggest step we've seen so far. Um, getting back in skating, that's a big step. Getting into practice, that's a big step. But now when things are for real, and now this is uh, uh, where the other team is finishing their checks, and the other team is out to win, Like this is, this is the biggest step yet if we're talking about a return to action for Oliver Shillington. Yeah, absolutely. And just another really important step. It, it was not very long ago that we were celebrating the fact that Oliver Shillington was going to be taking part in his first practice in 20 months, right? To be comfortable in that full team setting after skating essentially with Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche for an extended period. And so what we heard that day was let's just see how it goes. Let, let's see how Oliver feels after. And, and trust me, the Calgary flames check in with Oliver after every practice with the Wranglers, how are you feeling about things? How, how's your comfort level? The fact that he now is ready to take this next step is just such a positive development. So here is kind of what I've been able to um, ascertain, um, asking some questions, Ooh. doing some research. 
You like that word? One? Is did I did I use it properly? Uh, I don't know if you could spell it, but you used it properly. I think there's an S that goes before <laughs> a C in it. I think I could spell it even. Um, here's what I've been able to figure out um, for those wondering the the technical return to play stuff. Uh, so here's my understanding on on how this would go, just based on CBA and uh, NHL rules. So right now, Oliver Shillington is on a conditioning assignment with the Wranglers. Now, what this is um, is a LTIR conditioning stint. So there are two types of conditioning stints or, or conditioning assignments. There are LTIR conditioning assignments and there are regular conditioning assignments. And right now, Oliver remains on LTIR. What that means is that he's not counting on Calgary's roster cap and the Flames are getting cap credit for his salary right now. Um, so when he went down there late last week, you are given under CBA rules six days or three games to see where the player is at. Well, they've already passed the six days and whatever's longest of six days or three games. So Thursday will be the third game because even though he didn't play over the weekend, those counted as games while he was down there. So Thursday, when he presumably suits up for the Wranglers, will be his third game, which means he either has to finish the conditioning assignment or the Flames can apply for an extension with the NHL to get him two more games, which would mean he could go on this upcoming road trip for the Wranglers if that's the way it goes, uh, and he might even be able to play one more game this weekend. Just again, they have that ability. I don't know if they are going to apply for it, and I don't know if it would be approved. I would assume that if they did, it would be approved, but... At most, he's got two more games in the American League to finish off this LTIR conditioning assignment. Then the Flames have got to make a decision in terms of how they want to go about this. Regardless, it feels like his time on LTIR is almost at coming to an end. Um, unless it's deemed that during this conditioning assignment he's not ready, um, then if they want him to get back practicing with the NHL team, they've got to activate him off LTIR. Or if they want to send him on another conditioning assignment, which would then be a regular conditioning assignment, they'd also have to activate him off of LTIR. If they were to do that second option, uh, they could send him down there for two weeks. So 14 days he could be down there. He'd have to agree to it. Like it would have to be agreed upon by both the team and the player. But that would give him another two weeks and some more potential games to get back up to speed. But either way, if... Things continue west to progress positively. His time on LTIR is coming to, or or seems like it's close to coming to an end, which means the Flames have got to have the roster room and the salary cap room to activate him. And also they have both those things. So might not be too long until Oliver Shillington is once again counting on the cap for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and we just continue to take positive steps towards his return to NHL action. And I think the one thing I would caution, you know, that if he plays tomorrow night for the Wranglers and all indications are that Oliver Shillington will be in the lineup for the farm team tomorrow night, let's not judge Oliver Shillington's, you know, let, let let's keep in mind that we're talking about someone who hasn't played a hockey game in 20 months. You're going to read assessments, various places of, how he looked and, you know, how his breakouts were and how he did it in those one-on-one -on -one battles. And absolutely, it's fair for those assessments to be out there. But I think the most important thing to focus on here is that this is someone who, for the longest time, was not ready 
to play games as he focused on his mental health. Tomorrow, he believes he's ready to play again. Just such a good, like, such a positive, positive development for what's still a young man. Yep. And I and I think this was always kind of part of the return to play plan was okay get down get a few practices in practice Friday uh, or sorry practice Friday uh, try that again practice Thursday and then see how the games go on Friday Saturday don't play on the weekend watch the games be around the team uh, then they had some really hard practices this week Trent Cultel told us on Monday that um, Monday was kind of a development practice Tuesday a hard practice yeah. and then Wednesday a game day prep practice and even Trent Cull kind of hinted that we'll see where he is going into Thursday game so this seemed like it was always part of the plan to see if he could get in um and it sounds like after practice on wednesday morning at Windsport, he gave him the green light and said yep i'm ready to go so unless something changes uh between now and thursday at 7 p.m looks like he'll be in and and the way you put it for the longest time he wasn't he didn't feel ready in his own head to do this or do that, whether it was be in a practice or be around the team or be in Calgary, just different times in a very non-linear progression here. He hasn't felt that he was ready. So the fact that now he feels that he's ready, I just think that's that's so awesome. And and it just good on the flames for, as, as I said last week, good on the flames for how they've handled this and how much support they've given yeah. and how they have gone about this in a, full-on supportive, empathetic, non-pressure way, and good on them for being there by his side, and, and good on for Oliver, good on Oliver for keeping walking through that fire, because as, as I think both you and I know, it has been, it's been pretty hellish at times, and, and there have been times when walking through that fire has probably not been any fun at all, so uh, the fact that he is almost on the other side, it feels like, is, is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, we're talking about a, a 26-year-old who did not intend to never wanted to go 20 months without playing a hockey game. And in the statement that was released by the flames, you know, one of the things he said, and and trust me, that came straight from Oliver's mouth was, I want to get back to my sort of normal everyday life as a professional hockey player. And, you know, tomorrow's going to feel, I hope for Oliver Shillington, like, normal everyday life as a professional hockey player. And for the person, you just absolutely could not be more happy. The, uh, I'm really curious what the cardio is going to be like on Thursday night at about 9.30 p.m. I How much is he? Now, he's an elite athlete, okay? So that's the one thing I always, Pat or Wes or uh, you listening right now, you know, you know, you know how sometimes you get away from the gym, you, you, you get away from your hit training or your spin class, and you go back after three weeks off, and you are sucking wind. We are not elite athletes. We we are um, just normal humans who try to. Outside of West, we are not elite athletes. We're just normal humans trying to stay slightly above the aging curve, right? Oliver Shillington is a high end elite athlete. Yes. So maybe he'd be sucking a little less wind than you or I. I mean, be. That, like this is not akin to your January <laughs> yeah, first exactly. workout after your New Year's resolution. That's for sure. But game, any NHLer, any AHLer, you know, any professional hockey player will tell you that 
being in shape and being in game shape are have some sort of specific differences. And Oliver Shillington, from what we've seen, you know, even going back to some of the fitness videos that were being posted on Instagram, like Oliver Shillington is in shape. There's no doubt about that. Oliver Shillington is going to need some time to get back into game shape. For sure. Uh, but as, but, as I always, but that doesn't matter. It's not about that, which is the best part. This is about Oliver Shillington, the person tomorrow. One thousand percent, it is. But and and the other thing that I always I always go back on is, you know, there have been lots of NHL athletes, Olympic athletes, uh, NFL players. Like there have been there have been multiple running backs, cornerbacks who have like completely destroyed their knee. And they've had to take a, a year, year and a half away from football. And then they've come back and they're still damn good players. Like they come back and, yeah, you know what? They're, they're probably a little nervous for a few games or a few minutes or whatever about how it's going to feel cutting on that surgically repaired knee. And then they're elite, they're elite athletes again. And so, yeah, I, I'll read this text from, uh, from Megan Mickelson, who's listening live with us. Um, and says, hey, I didn't play a game for 23 months between the Sochi Olympics in 2014, giving birth, and then coming back. Says, Shillington will be great. It's like riding a bike when you've been playing hockey your entire life. And, and that, it's, it's probably not like riding a bike for the normal people, but like the elite 0.1% Olympic athletes like Mick, NHL athletes like Oliver. Yeah, it's, yeah. these people are born to play the sport. And so returning... I don't think it's going to take a year and a half for Oliver to get back to speed. It's going to take some games and some time, but he'll get back to speed. You don't forget how to skate. You don't forget how to skate at an elite level. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, and you just you just hope that tomorrow does feel like riding a bike for Oliver Shillington, right? It, this what's different for Oliver Shillington than what you were mentioning with, you know, quarterbacks and running backs who have gone through major knee injuries, there was no timeline on what Oliver Shillington would need to feel ready for a day like tomorrow. And so the fact that he feels like he's there, and I know I'm repeating myself, but the fact that he feels ready for this step is just, it's just awesome for Oliver. It really is. Uh, good news on the Oliver Shillington front. Good news on the way Noah Hannafin's playing as well. Uh, those are our two focuses to kick off this hour of Flames Talk. With Wes Gilbertson, my name is Pat Steinberg, and we are well underway this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. If you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Did you know, and I have double and triple checked this with my calculator, that 41 games is half of 82. And did you know that 82 is the amount of regular season games a team plays over the course of an NHL season? Art. Are we? I double and triple check. Uh, are, are, we, are we doing a round table or trivia here? I double check this. That means the Flames, after 
Tuesday's 6-3 win over Ottawa are now officially halfway through their season. Uh, welcome back to this hour of Flames Talk with Wes Gilbertson. It's Pat Steinberg and now the Daily Flames Roundtable with the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joining us as well. Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why minutes from the Calgary Airport. And yes, gents, the Flames are now officially halfway through the season as they roll into Arizona to start off the second half on Thursday night. Um, their record at the midway mark, 18-18-5, couple points out of a playoff spot. Gents, give me a word or phrase, if one word is, is too much, so a phrase is allowed, which is a few words, but give me a word or a phrase to describe the first 41 games of the season. Well, there are a lot of words that I could come up with, but... Ultimately, uh, thinking about it, I think there's a phrase that uh, helped the Flames get to those words, and that would be full of adversity. Uh, I mean, it really goes back to, to the offseason, a lot of changes, and positive ones. New general manager in Craig Conroy, uh, new head coach in Ryan Huska. But before the season even started, there was a bit of a black cloud over this team because of the pending UFAs, and they moved one of the big guys out in Tyler Toffoli, and in hindsight, that trade's worked out really well for the Flames. You could argue that Yegor Sharangovic has been as good as him this season, and he got a third-round pick on top of it. And then there's Nikita Zadorov, and he uh, he decided to shine the spotlight on himself on a few occasions. It turned out uh, to be a distraction for the team, and they end up moving on from him. So you, you deal with another one of those pending UFAs, but you've still got three big-time pending unrestricted free agents that the Flames are going to have to make decisions on or that those guys are going to have to make uh, decisions on if they want to stay in Calgary or don't. And uh, maybe it's them and not the Flames making the ultimate decision, but the Flames are going to uh, have to, to do something regardless. But, you know, uh, the fact that you've got uh, three of your top players in Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, and Chris Tanev unsigned halfway through the season – uh, I don't know if it individually has been much of a distraction for Hannafin and Tanev with the way they've played. I do think it's been a bit of a distraction for Lindholm with the way he's played. Not that he's played bad, but we've seen him play better. Uh, and then there's Oliver Shillington. You expect to get a top four defenseman back. And, uh, you know, we learned right before the season that, uh, you know, he's not ready to return. And, and there have been some big time positive steps in the right direction when it comes to that. And then just uh, the adversity with the two, seven and one start to the season and, uh, Two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back. There's been a lot of that. But ultimately, I do think the Flames have been trending in the right direction for quite some time. And uh, for the most part, fellas, I think they've done a pretty good job dealing with all of the adversity that I just described. You know, Wilsey, your word has me uh, second-guessing my word because because you're right. And, and to hear you detail it, the, the adversity has certainly added up. But, you know, as I pondered this, here and I was asked a similar question actually earlier today. Here's As you the, pondered this extremely thought-provoking question. Yes, yes. Here's the word I went with, and that is sort of enlightening or maybe revealing is a better way to put it. And and let me explain. We came into this season, I think, and we had this conversation plenty. Not really sure what to expect from these flames. We we maybe didn't know after last season. Okay, well, what is this? current core capable of we, we maybe didn't know how do we sort of judge the the impact of the 
soured relationship with the old coach? Like what, what can we take away from last season? Was it a blip? Was it, was it an indicator? How do you look at it? And for me, for the Calgary flames to be exactly 500 at the midway point of this season, it's been revealing because I think they know now sort of what they have in this current core. I, I think there's been a, a realization that there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done on this group to turn this team into a contender. And we don't know maybe the exact direction in terms of, you know, is it going to be maybe one player re-signed and others traded for those who are traded? Well, what exactly are you looking for? How futurey do you want those assets to be? But I hope that the brass at the saddle dome would be kind of nodding in agreement that this, this has been revealing. We we've found out now a season and a half in with this core, that this is sort of a middle of the road group. And that needs to be enlightening on what happens next. Yeah, and I was I was going I was going through it in my head when I when I was coming up with this question and and thinking to myself what what would the best phrase be and and so the best phrase that I I came up with was was kind of status quo like they they have kind of been what they were last year they're as as constructed they are not an elite team they are not a horrible team. They are, they, there can be times when they look really, really good. And you're like, damn, you know, if they play like that on a regular basis, like they, they could easily, you know, win a playoff round and be a real factor in the postseason. And then there's games like Chicago and, and, and other games. And, and it's not like those have been so few and far between that um, nights where they just don't have it, or they're just not quite at the same level as another team or complete and utter stinkers like the Blackhawks game. And so, it kind of reminds me in a lot of ways on the ice less about the less about the the narratives and the frustration and the negativity i think the actual air around the team is a whole lot different than it was but the on ice results are are still very similar to what we saw last year and what has been now you know 120 plus games with this core it kind of feels like status quo and to your point, Wes, that status quo, I think, gives them some answers about where this is going. 123 games of this core is enough to say, yeah, we're probably not winning a cup with this group. We're it probably, has to be. I, I would think so. That this, and we're probably, this, as it's constructed, is not a cup winner. And the goal is to win a cup. We don't want to just be a team that sneaks in or just misses. We would like to be a team that eventually challenges to go deep and and that we look at ourselves and say we're a real contender. And so I think that they know that between now and the deadline and between now and the start of next season, they've got to make some significant changes to start going down that road. And that does not mean, Willsie, because I, I know this is one of the conversations you and I have had off the air and on the air. That doesn't mean that they have to just completely take a bunch of sticks of dynamite, blow the entire thing up and go right down to the studs and try to get three straight number one overall picks. That's not what that means. It just means that this group, as it's constructed and with this core, it it does need some fundamental change that they're going to need to affect here in the next two months and then the next six months. And, and that is what I think this status quo has told them over the last little bit. And why are we guys, are we really surprised that they are 
in the playoff hunt? Are we really surprised that they are not bad enough to be one of the worst teams in the league, but also aren't good enough to be one of the best? It's kind of what they were last year, and that's been what they've been even since the bad start. They're just a middle-of-the-road team, uh, even though their record is far better in November, December, and into January than it was in October. They're still right there in the middle. And so that's why I say it's kind of status quo, and I think that they know that this group does need some change, and that is what's going to be really interesting to see how they affect that change going forward here. Yeah, I mean, it's such a big sample size, Pat, that I think it's hard to argue even though I do think that this team has more to give. And I didn't think that Jonathan Huberdeau, after having a, a really tough season, was going to have another really tough season. And, hey, he started to turn the corner. And I didn't talk about him and Andrew Majapani and Dylan Dubé and Adam Rzitska and others when I was talking about you know, all the adversity this team has dealt with this season. But that would be part of it as well. You know, Jonathan Huberdeau going pointless in 12 and goalless in 18? I know he struggled last season, but I don't know about you guys. I didn't see that coming. I'm not sure anybody saw that coming. Or Dylan Dubé being, after scoring 18 goals and 45 points last year, career highs, going pointless in 20 and goalless in 24. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, everything kind of had to fall into place. Maybe not everything, but a lot of things had to fall into place for this Flames to a team to turn themselves into a contender. They were going to have to be relatively healthy. Uh, the goaltenders, specifically Jacob Markstrom, were going to have to bounce back. That has happened. And they were going to need some guys who had off seasons last year to have on seasons this year. With a number of those guys, Jonathan Huberto, I would say Andrew Majapani, I mentioned Dylan Dubé. Uh, that hasn't happened when you look at the entire body of work. But with a couple of those guys, they've turned the corner. You know, Jonathan Huberto was six points in his last six games. Andrew Mangiapane was seven points in his last six games. So is this who they are, those two players, or are the two guys who struggled for most of the first half? So for me, there are still some question marks when it comes to this team, but ultimately the biggest one is what are they going to do with the three pending UFAs? I mean, ultimately that's going to decide how the rest of this season likely goes and how the next number of seasons go. And it's funny because I'm sure you guys have heard this as much as I have. I've heard so many fans say, uh, you know, whether I just run into them and have a chat in public or, or see it on social or wherever, that, you know, the Flames got to get top five picks. They need top five picks. Don't you think it's ironic that two of the guys who a lot of people want to trade away were top five picks? Right. Lindholm and I, and I mean, if you can't sign them, yeah, if you can't sign Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, you have absolutely no choice but to trade them away if you're Craig Conroy. No choice. So if those guys don't want to sign, then the Flames have to trade them. But, you know, for me, and probably at this point, more so with Hannafin than with Lindholm, I, I'd still like to see the Flames lock him up long term. You know, he's 26 years old. He's, uh, if not a top pairing defenseman on every team in this league, then a top four defenseman on every team in this league. He's an elite skater, so he should age well, despite the distractions that could knock him off this game with, with the contract situation. I think he's played some of his best hockey this season. So I think it's likely that uh, probably two of those pending UFAs get dealt before March 8th. Uh, but if they could keep one or two, if, if it worked for the team as far as uh, the cap hit and, and the term, then it's something that I would still look at. But if they move all three guys, 
who do they move them for? What do they move them for? So for me, that's still the biggest question mark over this team. Those three guys, and do they stay? Do they go? And if they go, what do you get for them? Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek West, Pat, on this Wednesday Flames Talk. Um, So kind of in that same vein, but uh, slightly different and, and, and definitely more positive. But what what is, when you take a look at this group, what is the most encouraging trend that you would look at from the first 41 and say, yeah, that, that's something you're excited to see and continue to track in the final 41 games here? Well, last season, even though they're kind of in the same spot at this time uh, in 23-24 that they were in 22-23, for me, they got there uh, taking a, a different road. Uh, last year, it looked like a team on a lot of nights that wasn't on the same page. Uh, there were a lot of nights where we questioned uh, their, if not their work ethic, then their buy-in. Uh, I wouldn't say that that's been the case all, all that often this season. I can probably count on one hand the number of games the Flames have played where at the end of the night I said, you know what, they got badly outworked. They didn't deserve to win that hockey game. Now you could argue that Sunday's game against the Blackhawks in Chicago was one of them, and I certainly would, but there haven't been many of those games. I think they've only played four or five games where I could question their work ethic and, and say that that's why they lost. But when I take a look at the first 41 games and I break it into a 10-game segment to start and then a 31-game segment basically since the start of November, this was a team with a new GM, a new coach, some new assistants, some new players, uh, a new way of playing the game, specifically in the defensive zone. And I think it took them maybe a little bit longer to figure that out than they thought that it would. And as a result, they start 2-7-1 and one and put themselves behind the eight ball, and they've been trying to climb out of that hole ever since. But in the last 31 games, we're talking about a team who, after going five games below 500 in the win-loss column in their first 10, has game, gone five games above 500 in the win-loss column in their last 31. Now, not good enough to, to get out of that hole that you put yourself in, but a lot better. And they've just looked a lot more like uh, a team that's on the same page, that's pulled it in the same direction and that's trending in the right direction. So, you know, as from a team perspective, that's what I would say. And uh, from an individual perspective, there are a number of guys, and I mentioned a couple of them, and Jonathan Huberto with six points in his last six games and Andrew Mangiapane with seven in his last six, who have kind of turned the corner here and, and they've found their game again. So uh, I think there are a number of guys uh, who are, are starting to feel better about themselves. And I think this team, uh, despite what happened uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, for the most part, they've felt better about uh, the way they've played as well and, and the direction they're going in. So I do think that there are some positives uh, to, to look at the first 41. You know, Pat, your questions are always thought-provoking. but uh, These two you. are really good, though. I'll, I'll admit it. Thank you. Thank you. When, you, when you asked me this one, you, when you threw this one at me, what's the most encouraging trend from the first half of this season? I, I'll be honest, I didn't have to think too much about it because there's one that really stands out for me, and that's what I think the past three plus months has shown us is that there's more in the cupboards for the Calgary flames than maybe we thought was there or, or some of the young players might be capable of more than where we had projected them as NHLers. Obviously Connor Zary, who last night put on another dazzling show at the saddle dome is at the top of that list. He's a guy who we sort of thought maybe had middle six potential who is now looking legitimately like a player yeah. who might eventually be a top-line talent in the NHL. 
I, I wasn't sure we'd ever see Martin Pospisil in the NHL, and yet here he is. I, I didn't know about Jan Kuznetsov, and, and yet the 21-year-old defenseman logs his debut last night against the Ottawa Senators. And then, you know, I think about Dustin Wolf, named today to the AHL All-Star Classic, and, and joining us in the next hour. Here's a player who has not looked out of place in his four starts this season for the Flames. I think about Matt Coronado, who's also going to the minor league all-star game. We're we're talking about a first-year pro who, while he hasn't filled the net the way some people were hoping in his limited NHL action, the way he's producing at the minor league level is exactly what you would hope out of a first-year pro as a sign that, yeah, this guy's offensive gifts are are translating. This, Mm -hmm. This guy is going to be a producer. And so... That's been the biggest takeaway for me, and I could name more guys, but the biggest takeaway for me is that if you thought the cupboards were not necessarily bare, but a little bit thin in terms of prospects, I, I think now you're you're probably reconsidering that a little bit. Is it is it the most stacked prospect pool in the NHL? No, but is there more talent and, and maybe more almost ready for the NHL or ready for the NHL talent than we we're giving them credit for? I, I think there is, guys. The uh, and and I'll make mine quick because uh, we we are running a, a, a little short on time just because these have been two long topics. But the 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 youth is the one that that really jumps out at me. The last the 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 one that I'll tag on top of that is just guys. I I really like the baseline that they've set for themselves. Kind of to your point, Wilsey. On I just I like the fact that you know every single night that you're you're going to get a good effort and you're going to get an effort where the the work rate is high and they don't wave white flags and they don't necessarily kind of go quietly into the night that's that's something that I've really noticed this year that was definitely nowhere near uh at the same level last season and I think under new head coach Ryan Huska they regardless of what happens with the roster between now and the deadline or now and next season or they've kind of set a baseline for themselves a standard for themselves that I think is really important and that would be the the one extra thing that I would tag onto this is just that that that's a standard that has been set with this coaching staff. And it, it kind of feels like it's something that'll be non-negotiable if you're going to stick in this lineup long-term. And I think that's a really important thing to set, whether this is the exact lineup that we see in perpetuity, or if they make significant changes in the next number of months, that, that baseline I think is really important. Yeah. And the last thing I'll add is, and this isn't about, one person or even a few people. This is about the organization from top to bottom. I think that they have in fairly short order fixed the culture. Because guys, last off season, all we heard was this player isn't coming back, doesn't want to play in Calgary, doesn't want to play for the Flames. This staffer might not come back unless things change. There was a lot of that talk. I'm not hearing any of that talk. I'm not seeing any of that body language anymore. I'm seeing a a group of people, uh, I'm seeing an organization that appears to be on the same page. And and yeah, they've got some difficult decisions to make, but they're playing the right way. They're saying the right things. Guys appear to be having fun coming to the rink, obviously more so after wins than after losses. And there were a lot of question marks surrounding the culture. And I think that term gets used a little bit too loosely sometimes, but... It's the best word that I can come up with uh, for, for this part of the conversation. 
I, I think they've made some master, massive strides, guys. I really do. Uh, talk to you on Thursday on a game day, Willsy. Thank you, pal. Okay, thanks, guys. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour. Uh, Wes on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Thanks to Shan and Cam, our producers, this hour as well. And this hour wraps up with the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest-growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport.